Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us over on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. And you can also uh, go over on Discord at uh, greatdetectives.net slash chat. I do want to let you know about our other podcast, and today I want to highlight The War at thewar.greatdetectives.net. It's a great podcast to check out with Independence Day coming up. It takes a look at America through World War II from the pre-war era where the country was really solidly anti-war all the way into the war to VJ Day. It uses music, drama, comedy, and news reports to help tell the story. I really found it a great experience and to compile and go through all of these stories and what life was like uh, going through World War II. Check that out at thewar.greatdetectives.net. You can find all the other podcasts I do right at the top of greatdetectives.net. Well, now it's time for this week's episode of The Fat Man, the original air date, July 14th, 1955, and the title is Murder Pays Dividends. There he goes into that drugstore. He's stepping on the scales. Weight 239. Fortune, danger. Who is it? The Fat Man. And now, here's the fat man in Murder Pays Dividend. It was a cold, dank, dismal February afternoon that found me driving half-heartedly along a busy Long Island highway. I'd received a curt note that morning from Crotchet the old Homer Crane, who had more millions than he had white hairs on his aging head. All the old geezer had said was that he needed me and would pay well. I turned off the highway into the gate that fronted the Crane Estate. I drove about two minutes and stopped in front of a mansion that looked like a cross between the Taj Mahal and the Yankee Stadium. I got out and rang the doorbell. Yes? My name is Runyon. I'm Mr. Crane's private secretary. I got this note in the mail this morning. It was signed by your boss. Oh, yes. You're the fat man. Come in. Thanks. Come with me, Mr. Runyon. Hey. This is quite a place. Don't touch anything, please. This hall is lined with priceless works of art. Don't get excited, Buster. I'm not looking for samples. Where? Who is it? It's Fawcett, Mr. Crane. Mr. Runyon is here. Bring him in, Patrick. Bring him in. Inside, Mr. Runyon. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, you can leave us, Fatty. Yes, sir. Hmm. So you're the fat man, eh? 
<laughs> you got any muscle underneath all that bulk? I'm not a weightlifter, Mr. Crane, but I can manage to flex a bicep if the occasion comes up. You carry a gun? You wear pants, Mr. Crane. Me? What? A detective without a gun is only half-dressed, Mr. Crane. <laughs> yeah, I like your style. I think we'll give it up. Yeah, that all depends. On what? The job you have. All you said in your letter was that you needed me and you'd pay well. Is $500 a week considered good pay in your profession? It'll do. As far as needing is concerned, you wouldn't be here if I didn't. I want protection, Mr. Onion. Good protection. From who? Anybody and everybody. I'm a wealthy man and I've made some enemies. Lately I've had a couple of threats. On paper? No. One of them came by telephone. A voice I didn't recognize. Well, he might have been a former business acquaintance. I'm not sure. At any rate, I didn't like his tone, and I'm taking precautions. Do you like Palm Beach, Mr. Onion? At this time of the year, who doesn't? Yeah, yeah. Well, I have a house there, and my wife is waiting for me to join her. I want you to come south with me and spend a few weeks. Sounds pretty good. All you have to do is to sun yourself on the beach and, and, and make sure that I stay alive. Does that appeal to you? Hello? Crane? The man who threatened me before. Let me take that. Hello? Who is it? What's your business, mister? Uh, you sound like a detective. Well, it won't help him. Won't help him at all. When I finish him off, I'll finish you off, too. Hello? Hello? What did he say? He said just enough to make me take this job. I stayed overnight in Homer Crane's sports model Coliseum. We caught a fast train the next afternoon for Palm Beach. Percy Fawcett came with us. And I could see he was developing a very healthy dislike for me with every passing minute. The old man and I shared a drawing room with Percy in the compartment next door. I was taking no chances with Homer Crane. And I never let him out of my sight for a second. Where are we now, Percy? Do you know? I believe we've just crossed into Virginia, Mr. Crane. Is Percy acquainted with all your friends, Mr. Crane? Yes. Yes, why? I'd like him to go through this train to see if he recognizes anyone. Through the whole train? Do you think that's necessary? Go on, Percy. Do as he says. He knows his business. Very well. Uh, Mr. Crane, tell me some more about this guy, David. I've told you all there is to tell. We did business together a couple of years ago, and I haven't seen him since. Would he have any reason for hating you? Why, well, no, not that I can think of. Look, Mr. Crane, if I'm going to help you, I've got to have your cooperation. Now, come clean. Well, well, I, I did outsmart him once. Business deal. By how much? A couple of million. Peanuts, huh? Yeah, he went into bankruptcy then. I never saw him again. That's all I wanted to know. You'll keep our papers open for Mr. Davis. There we are, Mr. Crane. Who is it? It's Honey. Is Homer there? Right. It's Honey Crawford. An old friend of mine. Yes. Uh, open the door. 
Detective won't help him. 
and he knows it as well as I do. Conductor. I'm very busy, mister. Something's happened out there. What do we do, break an axle? An elderly man fell through an open door in the vestibule. The whole train darn near passed over him before we could stop. Do you know who it is? Not yet. He had drawing room C in the next car. Excuse me, mister, I'm in a hurry. He doesn't have to tell us who he is, Davis. You know and I know. It was Homer Crane. near a town called Marston, close to the Virginian border. I stuck around with the inquest and got the verdict I expected. Accidental death. Davis had an alibi because he was with me. In fact, everybody seemed to have an alibi, except the victim. After the inquest, I met Percy in the car in his office. It was awful, simply awful. Miss Crawford and Mr. Crane came out of the drawing room and separated. He said he was going into the diner and he told me to wait inside. That's what you told the car. It was the truth. Then why keep repeating it all the time? Who are you trying to convince? Now, look here, Mr. Runyon, I... Skip it, skip it. Percy, you didn't tell Mr. Crane that Davis was on the train. Why, I, uh... He'd never have moved out of that drawing room if you had. I didn't want to worry him. I thought you were taking care of Davis. Your excuses are pretty weak, Percy. Maybe you can, maybe you can do a little better with train schedules. Train schedule? Yeah. You and I are continuing to Palm Beach. For one thing, we've got to break the news to his wife. And Percy, let's make sure we never pass any open vestibule doors. It's pretty hard to prove a murder charge when you haven't got a motive. I couldn't figure what Honey Crawford had still gained by killing her sugar daddy. But Percy was a different story. And to keep our appearances, he had to come down to Palm Beach with me. Homer's Palm Beach menage was something like his New York arena, only a little bigger. His wife was a quiet little woman, and nobody's fool. And it was interesting the way she took the news. So, Homer is dead. You'd better wire that Virginia coroner about the disposal of the body, Mrs. Crane. I'll take care of it. If you don't mind my saying so, you're not very unhappy about the incident. I... I feel sorry for Homer, that's all. Lately, we've been drawn apart. I don't know why. Perhaps he was always too interested in making money. But I just can't be a hypocrite about it. I've lost a friend, but not a husband. Do you know a man named David? David? Yes, it seems to me that that name is familiar, Mr. Runyon. He was on the train before it happened. What about me? Nothing. I just wanted to see if it rang any bells. Mr. Runyon, I'm sorry my husband didn't take your advice and stay close to you on that train. But I appreciate what you tried to do for him. I was well paid for it. Yes. Homer was always generous to his employees. Including Percy. Of course. Why do you ask? More bells. This time they're ringing for me. I suppose you'll want to return to New York as soon as possible. I'm in no hurry. 
You're welcome to my hospitality for as long as you'd like to stay. Thanks. The beach for half a mile on either side of the house is private. If you're a good swimmer... I don't swim, but I'll use your beach for the next few hours. Find out how the seagulls are doing. Watch the tide, Mr. Runyon. It comes in rather fast at this time of the day. And if you're not a very good swimmer, you... Tides aren't the only things to watch that are tricky, Mrs. Crane. Taking a stroll on the beach? Yes, trying out my new baby seat. You like it? You can catch cold in an awful lot of places with that thing on. <laughs> oh, you're cute, fat man. We seem to be better friends for some odd reason. I never hold a grudge. Then maybe you won't mind telling me what you're doing on this beach. Walking. You know who owns it? Maybe. I'm in the hotel out yonder. I thought I'd walk out and find out what she looks like. Mrs. Crane? I wanted to see what she has that I don't seem to have. You mean why she hooked a rich guy like Crane and you couldn't? You'd be surprised, Mr. Runyon. Would I? If Homer hadn't fallen off that train, I... Then what? Mr. Runyon! What's that on the beach over there? What? like a man. Yes, the Runyon. He's... He's dead. Oh, no. Like he's been dead for hours. Tired, washed up on the beach. Do you know who he is? Yeah. His name is Davis. This time, they called it accidental drowning. And it was beginning to get monotonous. But I didn't squawk, because I was starting to get the tie-up now. And if I played my hand close to my chest, I might soon have some results. That night, I took a flashlight and went through the boathouse on the edge of the beach. Homer Crane had quite a collection of plain and fancy speedboats. And as I was looking over a flashy job with an eight-cylinder motor, I heard the door squeak open behind me. I didn't move. I just waited. Stand where you are. I'm standing. There's a light switch on the wall to your left. Snap. Lunge. Hello, Percy. What are you doing in here? Waiting for the Queen Elizabeth. Don't be funny. Better point that gun the other way, Percy. It might go off. I demand to know what you're doing in this boathouse. Well, maybe we're both here for the same reason. I don't like you, fat man, and I never have. You're not number one on the hit parade with me, either. I think it's time you packed your things and went back to where you belong. Do you like speedboats, Percy? What? I said... Who's in there? Good evening, Mrs. Crane. Percy, what are you doing with that gun? He's pointing it at me at the moment, and I'm beginning to get bored with the idea. Put that gun away, please. Well, that's a good boy, Percy. I don't understand what this is all about, but I don't like it. Haven't we had enough trouble already? I'm sorry, Mrs. Crane. He was snooping around, and I thought he was a thief. Huh. 
Have you ever tried to get rid of a hot motorboat? He's full of clever remarks, but he hasn't explained anything. Please leave us alone. But Mrs. Crane... I have nothing to worry about from Mr. Runner. You just dealt, Mrs. Crane. Did you find what you were looking for, Mr. Runner? No, not yet. May I ask what it was? I'm looking for a murderer, Mrs. Crane. A murderer? Yes, I'm looking for the person who killed your husband, Anne Davis. You're joking, Mr. Runner. No, I'm real serious. But my husband and Davis... I know, accidental death. Well, I won't buy that theory, Mrs. Crane. What did you expect to find in here? I was curious to know when that speedboat was last used. It was used early this afternoon. Yeah. Who used it? Percy Fawcett. That's interesting. What for? A friend of mine, a neighbor on that island offshore, wanted to borrow it. Percy took it over to her. And she used it? I imagine so. Let's check on that, Mrs. Crane. It looks like about a ten-minute run from here. Just about. The boat's safe, isn't it? Perfect. Will you run it? Yes. Fine, let's go. You're pretty good at handling this boat, Mrs. Crane. I've been driving it for quite a while. Don't you think you ought to use your lights? They're not working. Oh, we can see the island. You knew this boat had been used this afternoon, Mr. Runyon? Yeah. How did you know? You didn't completely wipe all the oil from the motorhead. I didn't? You heard me. Just what do you mean? You used this boat today, Mrs. Cray, not Percy. And you used it before Percy and I even arrived in Palm Beach. Did I? You used it to get Davis into deep water where he could quietly drown when you pushed him overboard. Pushing people out of things seems to be your one interest in life. I have another interest, Mr. Runyon. Really? To protect myself. You ought to practice more. The job you did on Homer was pretty good. But you messed it up with Davis. You're out of your mind, Mr. Runyon. The last time I saw Davis was in Virginia. He had plenty of time to get down to Palm Beach and have himself killed hours before I even arrived. Not a bad accomplishment, you must admit. And not very surprising either when you remember that fast train service between here and New York. That's how you got up to Washington and boarded the train your husband was on. And that's how you got back here to Palm Beach in time to provide yourself with an alibi. Excellent, Mr. Runyon. Davis saw you on that train. And he flew back here with you. Was it blackmail he tried to pull? The idiot wanted his money back, the two million dollars my husband took away from him. It's too bad you discovered this, Mr. Runyon. There's only one thing I haven't figured out yet. There are two things, Mr. Runyon. Well, I like to take them one at a time. You didn't kill old Homer because of that dizzy blonde. Honey, <laughs> Crawford. Oh, don't be ridiculous. I knew about her long ago. I wanted freedom, Mr. Runyon. And Percy Fawcett. Now, is it clear? Extremely. And now, that other thing you said I hadn't figured out. 
How you're going to get back to shore and notify the police? I doubt very much if you could prove this, Mr. Runyon. But I'm not going to give you a chance. You should have learned to swim. <laughs> you're as careless as Mr. Davis was. But I might be a tougher proposition to push out of a boat. Oh, I don't intend to push you. <laughs> no. I can swim, you see. This boat is fast, Mr. Runyon. And if I make my turn too short, we can't drive. <laughs> like this. We just went for a moonlight dip. She'll be okay in a minute. She only fainted. You a lifeguard? Beach patrol. We saw the explosion offshore. There's a boat going out there now. They won't find anything but a couple of sticks. Yeah. She's coming out of it. The explosion was something she didn't count on. Oh, what happened? Oh, why am I lying here on the beach? This man just saved your life. The first man? But you told me you couldn't swim. You shouldn't believe everything you hear. But I've got a feeling you're going to wish you'd never taken a swimming lesson by the time a jury gets through with you and Percy in court. Palm Beach to New York, lower five. Right. And I get up with six, Mr. Bunyan. Well, honey child. <laughs> Glad to see me. It's always nice to see someone who's easy on the eyes. Oh, you're so awful cute, fat man. Oh, conductor, is there a diner on this car? Yes, sir. The second car falls. Hungry, honey? Duh. How would you like a dozen oysters? Followed oh. by roast beef rare right in the bone. Oh. Mashed potatoes. Gravy and huckleberry pie are on mold. Oh, my goodness. Well, you've got an invitation, baby. Providing you come out of the deep south and be yourself. <laughs> okay, brother. You win. Let's head for the diner. <laughs> okay, sister. You're practically there. <laughs> and getting into trouble and getting out of it. But at the same time, I generally manage to get some other people in and out of trouble, too. Be seeing you again. So long. Welcome back. Well, it was a shrewd move by the fat man to make it so that uh, people uh, thought he couldn't swim because, uh, you know, around that much water, 
that would be a likely way for the murderer to try and dispose of him, and then he could turn the tables. I did find it funny at the end where he was asking the woman to speak in her true accent. But of course, this was recorded in Australia, so we have an Australian actress playing a New Yorker pretending to be a Southerner. And so she switches from a bad Southern accent to a really weird uh, attempt at a New York accent. Now, if she had actually spoken in an Australian accent and Brad had been like, oh, you're from Australia, that might have worked a little bit uh, better for today's listeners. Although, if you were listening in Australia in 1955, probably didn't care too much. All right, I do want to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Daniel, Patreon supporter since March of 2020, currently supporting us at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support. And that'll do it for today. A reminder, if you are listening to this podcast through YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification box so you get notified whenever a new video is posted. But join us back here tomorrow for The Man Called X, and next Tuesday we'll be back with another episode of The Fat Man. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.